Hi, and welcome back to a podcast above a convenience store, Talking Twin Peaks, where every week we, by Paul Muadib from Cast That Movie, and myself, Joe Fremming from The Joe Down, we discuss Twin Peaks. Uh, how are you doing, Paul? Mm. Um, I'm doing better. Uh, I had a little bit of a cold thing going. Um, was worried that could have been Voldemort because um, of kind of my personal life and... Um, but I don't think it's Voldemort. I think it was just what I get in the April, you know, windows start opening up, allergies, you know, things like that start kicking up. So I'm doing good, buddy. Thank you for asking. That's awesome. And well, last week we kickstarted off uh, season two of Twin Peaks uh, with a pretty good episode with some questionable uh, left turns. Uh, now we're on episode two, which was also directed by David Lynch. It's called Coma. And this seems to be some course correction in this episode, if, uh, especially when it comes to uh, Donna. She, was, she suddenly became a femme fatale last episode, and now yes. she's back to normal. Yes, and one thing I want to point out is that while this episode was directed by David Lynch, it was not written. It was written by Harley Payton. Um, who um, had done several of the episodes and will do several more of these episodes. Um, this is one of six uh, Lynch-directed um, episodes. Yeah, and uh, it shows it's uh, it's got a lot of his trademarks in it. And, uh, well, I think uh, we should probably uh, kick this off, Paul. I think we it, should. And it starts with... As many of these episodes do, Cooper eating breakfast. (laughs) Yes, with Albert, which just makes me smile. And and, and Albert could give a fuck about what Cooper is talking to him about during breakfast. Cooper's going off on Buddhism and I think a little bit of Tibet. And like Albert is just, he's, you know, he's being a good friend. (laughs) Just like, all right, yeah, mm -hmm, yep, yep. Because his buddy is blabbing on about a bunch of nonsense he doesn't give two shits about yeah he's talking about buddhist tibetan history and her traditions and however it's just like i don't give two fucks dude um and then they start you know but albert being albert who i love i any episode and any scene he's in he is amazing um then they start talking and then i love how both like how david lynch portrays these FBI agents and knowing what we know now um, from secret history and um, the return um, kind of why they're this way. Albert is like the best pathologist uh, um, um, autopsy guy ever. Yeah. And Cooper has an intuition like these guys are specifically chosen by, uh, you know, Gordon Cole. David mm-hmm. Lynch's character for this special, so they're they're the elite of the FBI, Blue Rose people, yeah. And so they're talking, and uh, let me. I'm trying to. I, I saw that I watched it, but they end up discussing about the suspects of what happened, like the mill burned down. Leo's Leo's the main suspect. Yep. And uh, and then and, go on. Oh, I was going to say, and then he explains how Jacques was um, not strangled, but was smothered by a pillow, 
and that the tape used was grabbed by there and he didn't have anything else. And that, that Leo did do the arson. Um, and that um, they don't have any idea yet who shot him. No, but yeah. they, do, they do bring up Bob. And, they uh, do bring up Bob. And and I, oh. Albert has one of my favorite lines here. And they're talking, in, uh, you know, because they're talking about suspects. And then there's Bob, who, you know, Ronette saw and Cooper has seen and Sarah Palmer has seen. And uh, Albert's like, well, Cooper, has anybody, anyone seen Bob on Earth in the past few weeks? <laughs> yes. 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 Then. But he also, I want to bring this up because it was, because we kind of talked about it. Uh, the old waiter in the last episode, he gets actually questioned by Albert, and Albert lovingly refers to him as Senior Drool Cup. Senior, yes, Senior He's drool. a lodge entity who's also <laughs> moonlighting <laughs> at the Great North. <laughs> yes, Senior Drool Cup doesn't wear of anything that went on that night. Um, um, and uh, big news, too, uh, Wyndham Earl. Cooper's. That's what I was. Yep, that's where I was going. I was going to Wyndham. Okay. Yep. Uh, Agent Cooper's former aide uh, partner, Wyndham Earl, has escaped from mental asylum. Uh, we'll learn more about Wyndham Earl, and I will probably discuss how the character changed from what I think Lynch Frost had in mind at this point until what came after they kind of a bit left the project for a bit. Yeah, I don't think this is the time to really dig into Wyndham Earl. Um, there's an episode coming up um, that I think is a better um, entry into that. Yep. Then, excuse me, sorry, I'm drinking soda. Then they cut over, I'm such a professional, um, to the Asian man um, who's kind of observing them. Yeah. And, and, sorry, and... It, that's like a red herring. Like, 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 what is, is he linked to that Wyndham Earl? What, what is going on there? Well, we saw him in the last episode. Uh, he was in the last episode. He called uh, Pete. He wanted to know where Josie was. So we know he's connected with Josie. Yes. Uh, he's a threatening uh, person. We Secret history old. If you haven't read it yet, read it. Because, again, Josie has like one of the most fucking amazing backstories of probably all these characters. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Like, again, I, we've talked about it before, so I don't want to get too far into it with her, but the secret history of Twin Peaks really just adds a whole nother dimension to the show, to the, to the characters. And Josie is one of those reasons to read it because yeah, she has a fascinating backstory. Absolutely. Uh, I think we've mentioned it's. she's a lot like Oren from Kill Bill in her mm -hmm. background with organized crime. It's fucking rad. Uh, we'll probably get to that when we do. We'll probably be doing an episode where we touch upon the books a bit, but we'll get to that when we get to that. I would. I would like to do a episode dedicated to the secret history and an episode dedicated to the, to the final dossier. I think that's where I don't think we need to do one about the diary. No, no. no. Uh, honestly, in full disclosure, that's the only Twin Peaks book I have not read. I've skimmed it. I just... Once, you know, 
once you know who the who killed Laura Palmer, it's really it doesn't seem it does it's just never interested me. But yeah, because you know, and again, they went and did Firewalk with Me, which will be its own movie too, which will be its own episode too. Um, and that explains way more of what was going on in Laura Palmer's life than the diary does. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll probably, yeah, we'll have, we'll have episodes on those, uh, final dossier, secret history, and we'll probably lump that in with the missing pieces from fire walk with me. Just, we'll be like an evergreen before we get into the return or maybe after the return, we still haven't decided because we're, as much as we love Twin Peaks, we're just as confused as everybody else. <laughs> How to explain it to people? Yeah, absolutely. There's no question. Yes, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. We're weakening it, folks. <laughs> yeah. But so we get the next scene, and this is another like. So what I love about the last episode, and especially this episode, it's more a plot. It's a plot heavy, and the mystery, and these mm-hmm. odd entities, and things that I what I love about Twin Peaks and this episode is probably one of my top favorites just because it has all the things I like about Twin Peaks and a lot less of the you know the soap opery bullshit that you know is just kind of you know it's just kind of like the filling or whatever but we have Donna she goes yeah so let's talk about that real quick so we, we cut over to Donna and Donna is once again a different character from the last episode yeah, I think there's some course correction here. I uh, think Lynch fucking laid down the law a little bit. Yeah, I think after that, ep- that episode, maybe it hadn't aired by the time, you know, they're filming this. But I think just his experience with like this, this isn't working. Like you're, this is not the character. <laughs> Sorry, Laura Flynn. Well, we'll re- <laughs> I don't know if he said it, but he, he since he did it in the in the future, we'll we'll just recast you if you don't like it. Uh, I I feel like he did, um, and I think that they were like, nope. Well, I, I think there was the benefit of the doubt. I think he saw it and went, no, this is this is not working. No, so Donna's back to normal. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. This is the um, I like the innocent Donna. The you know she's troubled, but she's not like suddenly just. Whatever the hell she was in the last episode. Yeah, you know, going back, I don't know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give benefit of the doubt here as well. I'm gonna throw an idea out to you because I thought about this. She was wearing um, Donna's glasses, and I'm going to assume by this time uh, Lynch had already kind of had the idea that he was going to do um, Firewalk with me. And one of the big things about Firewalk with me, going backwards now um, from that, or going you know, forwards and then coming back from, from, from um, um, Firewalk with me, is that one of the big things there was that Laura freaked out anytime Laura tried to, uh, anytime Donna tried to be her and was like, don't be me. And I don't know if that was somewhat of a overtly, like, really, 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 really obscure nod to her kind of <laughs> having wearing. Like, I get, I'm trying to give some kind of benefit of the doubt here or give an alternative to it just being Laura Flynn Boyle being Laura Flynn Boyle. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll give you my theory. When Laura freaks out when <laughs> Donna's acting like her, 
it might just be a middle finger to this episode. Like, don't act like me. You're not me. You're not Laura Palmer. Stop. I, I could take that. I could take that spin as well. So there's a lot of different ways you can take it. So she takes the, the meals for reals. And she goes to Mrs. Tremont. Joe, this is one of your my favorite things, but I'm going to let you run with it because I want to run with it and firewalk with me. Yeah, well, Mrs. Tr- the Tremont, uh, what was her name? Because she has two different names. It's Tremont in this. Firewalk with me, it's... Uh, I forget the name. Let me look it up. I will, because I want to bring it up into what it is. Because, because it's together at the very end of the re- the whole series of the return. It's... It, the, these names are important. Uh, uh, Shelfont. Miss Shelfont. So Mrs. Tremont, Mrs. Shelfont. Yep. These are the names she has. Uh, she's also Happy Gilmore's grandma. She's Happy Gilmore's grandma. She's great as Happy Gilmore. She's just an awesome actress in general, dude. Yeah. Uh, she's also the old woman Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeld steals the bread from. <laughs> yes. He she mugged was... her in New York. <laughs> She had a bit part in Karate Kid 3. She was in Big Big Top, Pee-wee. She yeah. was Aunt Barbara in Blue Velvet. Um, she was in The Mouth of Madness. She's been in, like, everything that she does. She's awesome. Yeah, I love her. And just, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I kind of want to watch Fire Walk with me and then follow it up with uh, Happy Gilmore and just, like, kind of feel bad for Ben Stiller's character because like, you don't know who you're playing with here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Mrs. Tremont, she's a... Uh, this is a really cool thing because you don't... We'll, we'll get to it when it... Well, because we'll... I'm going to spoil it. Do it. There... What? I feel like oh, I... Spoil, spoil like, it. Go ahead. I want to spoil this. She is a lodge entity. Uh, mm-hmm. Donna goes back in a ne- maybe the next episode or a couple episodes down, and it's a completely different woman in the house. Uh, but she walks in, and it's Mrs. Tremont and her uh, grandson, who yes. is Riley Lynch, I believe. David yeah, Lynch. Riley, David Lynch's son. Yeah. Uh, no, it's Austin. It's Austin. Austin Lynch. Austin Lynch. David mm-hmm. Lynch's son looks just a splitting image of his whole. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's no way Lynch could ever deny that's his kid. Yeah, I put him in my notes here as creepy David Lynch kid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, so Mrs. Tremont, Donna hands her her meal, and she looks upset, and she's like, uh, there's creamed corn. Mm-hmm. I specifically did not ask for cream corn. Creamed corn, Garmin Bosia, comes in. It's it, playing within the return. In return, and return, uh, fire walk with me. And fire walk with me, yep. It's uh, pain and suffering in the lodges. It's what it represents. But here she orders it and she's upset. I'm, I'd am i be upset because cream corn's fucking gross. <laughs> I like cream corn, but that's me. Go on. Oh, God. <laughs> I, land, I stopped in a landmine there, huh? That's <laughs> nah, all right. It's all right. That's all right. I eat weird shit, so go on. So she's like, "There's is that cream corn on my plate?" Donna's like, "Yes." And then Donna looks up and she says she didn't want. She specifically did not ask. And then she says, "Is there green creamed corn on my plate?" Donna looks down again. It's gone, and it's in the creepy David Lynch kid's cupped hands. Yes. And she 
plays it off like he's studying magic. And magic is another big thing with the Lodge entities. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about there. We just know there is magic. Uh, especially, we, you get the the hint in the, the Firewalk With Me poem, The Magician Longs to See. So there's all sorts of connotations with this. And this scene is just... If I'm Donna, I'm fucking Bolton. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, nope. That cream corn just vanished from your plate, and there's not even, like, stains of it on there. Like, fuck this. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, there's that whole creepy music um, in the back as well as all this is going on, which gives away, like, this is something sinister. This is something not normal. Um and then, you know, she asked her if she knew Laura, and Mrs. Tremont gets really uh, upset. No. You yeah. know? Yeah. And, of course, we learn in the return that she was instrumental in Laura's disappearance. Yeah. And uh, she's also a huge in Firewalk with me. Mm -hmm. That's I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In Firewalk with me. Yeah. She... Uh... We'll get into it. I, I'm. It's a lot of weirdness, but I, it, it makes sense. It's just hard to explain. Uh, yes, her connection to Laura, but she is because there's another Lynchian kid in Firewalk with me with a mask over his face. Yes, and uh, I have a theory that that's young Leland Palmer. Mm-hmm. So I think so as well. That's my yeah. You and I landed on the same theory. And we'll get to that conversation in this episode as well, because um, that's fucking fantastic. And, you know, but then she suggests that um, he go talk to um, Mr. Her Smith next door, Harold next door. Mr. Smith does mm -hmm. not leave his house, she says, just like America. <laughs> <laughs> he was preparing for Voldemort before all of us were, folks. Um, Harold Smith was on the ball on this. <laughs> I okay. So what we know from this episode, and there's a lot of things that were planted in these last two episodes before Lynch washed his hands and said "fuck this" um, with fighting with the studio. There is something that is said here that makes me think that something was going to happen to Donna at some point because um, the little boy says she seemed like a nice girl and he uses past tense and that to me was like i think lynch had he gone the way he wanted to go with this something would have happened to donna eventually yeah i agree i i i agree i don't know if she would have been killed they there's red herrings to that there's uh, a lot to that there's a lot of red herrings to that and we also have to remember that I don't know how far ahead they were thinking of these lodge entities, but from what we know from the overall series, they're not in linear time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so who knows what the fuck that kid was talking about, but it is interesting. And it does raise a lot of speculation as how the show would have panned out had they were not forced to do the reveal. And so, yeah, so Donna leaves a note for Harold and Harold's kind of leering at her from his window. Uh, yeah. Harold's I like Harold. I like Harold Smith. I 
didn't like him when I was a kid because I thought he was just like a weirdo, but I've really grown to like that character, and we'll get to know him a little bit more. And now we go to poor Ronette. Yeah. Shock. Uh, Last time we saw her, she was having the visions of Bob, the night of the murder. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She's not in good shape. (laughs) No, and I want to bring up something here that was really interesting to me that I think I was, I think, Baba, you and I were paying attention to. There must have been a deleted scene where someone was teaching her how to speak with her eyes. Because yeah. when he asks her questions, she does a full blink, which is very similar to, as you see with people who can't talk or things of that, once for yes, two for no. I don't know if you caught that or not. Yeah, I've, I've always kind of thought that. Mm-hmm. Cause it just seems like that's how she's communicating because he's asking her questions, but she can't really talk to him. Mm-hmm. So I think that was uh, a scene that they probably had to cut for time. And it, it we, we, you're, we're kind of able to deduce that that's probably how they worked that out. But so we don't need to be told everything, but it's still a little confusing. I don't know. I'm guessing cut for time would be. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing too. And the other thing that I liked on this one was you get that weirdness. Um, And, um, but the, or just kind of the goofy humor is how they're fighting with the, the the stools in the beginning. Oh my God. I love that scene. (laughs) And Barry's reading the instructions. (laughs) Yes. 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 So they come in. And they're trying to sit, and the stools are the stools are way too high, and they're trying to figure out how to get them lowered. And Cooper's still selling the ribs, and the fact that he's he's you know shot and still trying to recover. Recover! Oh my God, it's about three minutes, but it's just fucking. It's total. It sums up like the the quirky humor of Twin Peaks so well. There's a serious scene going on, and they're fucking with the stools. Yeah, and that's uh, I think. It's, it's really, like, of all the directors in this show, I think Lynch is probably the only one who is able to pull that off. <laughs> I think he just has a... He's a keen sense of humor for stuff like that. Uh, he kind of like... He likes the theater of the absurd at times. <laughs> um, yes. That's, uh, yeah, so Cooper, is a, his ribs are all shot to shit because he's just been shot in his uh, stomach, which we're still... Paul and I are still confused by this. Still, still confused by that. Yeah, that he was shot in the stomach and didn't need surgery or anything like that. Um, and we'll, we'll get to another issue I have with, with someone getting shot here. So <clears throat> we're, we're, we're dragging this out. Um, Cooper, this poor girl's under stress, and he decides to fuck with her night by showing her pictures. <laughs> traumatized, this poor woman. She's already traumatized. Yeah, I mean, she's still kind of in shock from what happened in the train car the night Laura died. <laughs> right? So he shows her a picture of Leo first. And I don't know who drew the sketch of Leo. It wasn't a very good sketch of Leo. Yeah, And I why guess. they needed a sketch of Leo, because there's pictures of Leo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I thought that was a bit odd. I'm like... Why is there a sketch of Leo? When did the sketch of Leo happen? I don't remember a sketch of Leo. Why do they need a sketch of Leo? Like, yeah, my mind went down that rabbit hole. And she shakes her head like, no, no, that's that's just the dude who fucks me. Yeah. And then she sh- they show the picture of Killer Bob. Oh, God. This is when we finally really see the wanted poster. 
Um, mm-hmm. and it's fucking Bob appears in this episode, and each time it's it, it's traumatizing, <laughs> just fucking traumatizing. Like, so once you see that sketch, and like, you go back to us being little kids in St. Cloud with Wetterling missing, and you're seeing these sketches of the kidnapper, kind of like what you're seeing in Twin Peaks, and it's Holy shit. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's terrifying. And the fact that, you know, even though we're young, she's younger than everyone there. Right? Our sense of time is fucked up. You know, as far as I was, like, I didn't think, she, you know, she could have been 14, 15 in my eyes when I was, you know, 9, 10 watching this. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fuck. It's a, and that sketch, man, like, I want to get a poster of it. Oh, Part of me is just it. like, I, I think I would just freak out seeing it too much. <laughs> like it, might ruin, it would ruin my day, I think. Again, Frank Silva is probably, from what I've heard, is like nicest guy in the world, but holy shit, he's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. No, because, and the way that the, that the scene goes is it's blurred because you see it kind of from her vision. And it comes in, and the way that that, the way that he's drawn and the way that it comes into focus, it's actually a very scary scene. I mean, if, if Bob wasn't the killer, I, she probably would have flipped out. Yeah, it's, it's a horrifying uh, sketch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. she ends up freaking out and she's screaming, train, train. So this is... There are yeah. so- this is connotation. She saw, you know, you, you glean basically, she saw this man in the train car that night. Yeah. Yes. Apps. There's no question about it. So after this, we get probably my favorite version of Jerry Horn. Uh, <laughs> 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 he has, he has, the delivery on the way he talks in this particular episode is my favorite, especially the last thing that he says. But okay, now we get to the conundrum of the of the ledgers <laughs> and why this whole thing was fucked up to begin with. Yep, and they confirm our long going uh, confusion of the ledgers and that they didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, in that they didn't fucking matter because. You find out that the fake ledger that they're showing off the stockholders shows that the mill was making a healthy profit. That's the fake one. And the real ledger is actually Catherine had been doing shit behind Josie's back and slowly making the mill go bankrupt, which, again, doesn't make sense to me, um, but it is what it is. And they're deciding which ones to burn. And they're going back and forth about one would stand up, the other one wouldn't, you know, if, um, if you know, we, we, we'd get a better deal, which I, point is, they're like, Jerry says, we're sure, the one thing we're sure of is they're not sure which leather to burn. And Jerry this whole time is eating a smoked cheese pig yes i i I meant to look this up i'm going to google this right now and i wanted to know what what this yes smoked cheese pig okay so 
according to this person, the homicidalhomemaker.com, they've worked high, high, high and low for this recipe and figuring this thing out. And they, they're like, I cannot find what this smoked cheese pig is. So they made their own as a cheese ball. So I, I don't know what this, no one knows what this thing is. My guess it's just smoked cheese, like in the form of a pig. That's all. Bacon flavored cheese, right? In a pig. In, in, in a pig. In a pig, in the shape of a pig. It could be. I don't know. <laughs> is this stuff, maybe Dave, this is something David Lynch makes at home. <laughs> maybe. I Yeah. So, um, this is, so he's, because I, I wanted this thing. I wanted, I was like, I'm going to order this smoked cheese pig. And I couldn't find it. And then I wanted to look this thing up, and you know, I was meant to get my notes, but I looked up right here. So, you know, and he's saying they won't throw that in the fire. So, apparently, um, Ben Horn keeps marshmallows in his office drawer. <laughs> yeah, it's not the weirdest thing of, we'll see of Ben Horn this season, but it's certainly a quirk. <laughs> Um, it's a quirk. And then my favorite line of, of, of Jerry's is he gets super excited. Ben, where are those hickory sticks? <laughs> it cuts the commercial. <laughs> yeah. Jerry really likes food. He's a, he's a foodie. His <laughs> weak lean. He's also high all the time. Yes. Like, secret history just finally confirms. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. But no, I just love that. Just the way he said it and is the way he talks. Cause you know, he, in a lot of the previous episodes. So the actor um, has a very specific way that he talks, but he's kept it under wraps um, up to this point. And he just lets loose with his accent. I love his voice. I love the, the cadence and the, and the tones and the way that he talks. And you get that a lot in um, the, the crow. Right when you watch the crow yep. with him uh, in David the crow, Patrick Kelly. Yep, David Patrick. Yeah, yeah, David, David Patrick Kelly, and um, so it was nice to see him kind of just be him in this particular short little scene. Or just yeah, if anything, if you're gonna watch this episode, that by far was like my favorite line of the whole damn thing. Ben, where are those hickory sticks? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. I love David Patrick Kelly. Uh, so T-Bird and the Crow. He's the one of the guy, bad guys in the Warriors. He's just fantastic all around. He, he is. He is. He's um, And he was in a... Um, I'm going to tell you guys, he was in a video game. And I'm going to just take a quick, uh, quick detour here. And... <clears throat> Um, he was in a game called uh, was it was it the Ripper? Um, I think it was Ripper. Uh, just uh, one second here. Yes, he was in Ripper. He played a character by the name of Joni Falcone, who is a psychopathic computer hacker. And you can it's an old game. You can't get it anymore. But if you can find it and you know use something called DOSBox to play it. Um, I highly recommend that you guys do this because in the game is Christopher Walken, Burgess Meredith, Karen Allen, David Patrick Kelly, John Rice Davies, 
fucking J.J. Jimmy Walker himself, Paul <laughs> Giamatti, I mean, you need to play this game. Um, or at least go on YouTube and watch a playthrough of it. Um, at the end of the game, depending on just how the computer picks up, there's always one of three killer, like the, th- the killer, the actual killer can cycle between three different characters with David Patrick Kelly being one of the murderers. Um, so that's my side note. It's glorious. It's crazy. If you listen to this podcast, there's no reason why you wouldn't like that game. So now that I went us completely off the rails, Joe, <laughs> but let's hey, get back to the double R diner. Yeah, where Andy is struggling with some tape as he's trying to put up Bob's wanted posters. Jesus Christ. Oh my God, oh, I love like, it. Yeah, it's man, like I haven't seen a, a toddler struggle with tape like Andy does here. It's just all over him. And Major Biggs is just watching this. And and the best part is it didn't hit me that he was kneeling. <laughs> He's kneeling, putting this thing in, and until someone walks in and doesn't help him, he just looks at <laughs> Andy. Looks at him with scorn as he's got his hands bound together with fucking scotch tape. <laughs> yeah, I love Andy. Andy, I love Andy too. This season does him and Lucy wrong, but it, I love him. <laughs> it does. It really fucking does and i pretend it never happened yeah um which thank god the return did as well yes and then well kind of we do have michael sarah's character well we have the kid but you yeah. know i mean though i mean we immediately know that it's andy's and everything's fine yeah but because i want to get to this very interesting scene with major briggs uh, yes please this is when we find out you know briggs is a. Uh, He's a lot bigger character in this season, and uh, I think this was a long-term thing, especially after what we see in The Return, Secret History. Like, Briggs, was, I think, was supposed to be a much bigger character mm-hmm. than he ended up being, and I think that's just because, you know, again, the, the showrunners leave with only, like, a, a sketch of what was to come. Uh, but he's sitting there having his coffee, and the log lady comes in, Chewing her gum. <laughs> her pitch gum. Her pitch gum. Her pitch gum. <laughs> which Norma right away is like, don't spit that out on the wall or under the table. Spit yep. it in an ashtray. And she looks so offended. Oh, she's so pissed. She is so pissed. And it hit me when she told her to do it in the ashtray. I'm like, oh, fuck. You used to, you really used to be able to smoke inside of fucking diners back in the day. God damn it, I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so she sits down and she orders a bear claw. Bear and, claw. And she uh, looks to Major Briggs and <laughs> she tells him, you, you wear shiny objects on your chest, <laughs> which is such a Lynchian thing to throw in. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, like she's not impressed with what he's built over his career. She's just like, you got a bunch of shiny shit on you. What's that? <laughs> what the fuck's that, shiny man? And he takes it in stride. Uh, he's so great. And he's, you know, this is you kind of get. He's, you know, he's Blue Rose as well, and yep. uh, he's in tune with all this. And she's like, uh, "Do you know my log?" And he's like. 
well, we've never been introduced. And she's like, <laughs> I don't introduce my log. <laughs> I don't introduce my log. And he's just like, okay. <laughs> so she asks him if he can hear what it's saying. He's just, he's honest. He's like, nope, I'm not hearing anything. But he's he's not disrespectful, which is another thing. Like, I think in their line of work, they have to be open to everything that's happening to them. And it, and it pays off for him because she has a mess. The log is a message. Deliver the message. And she's, she asks him, do you know what this means? And he's like, yes, ma'am, I think I do. And he's like, yes, ma'am, I actually do. And that, you know, I, even going back, again, I'm taking my step back and seeing that for the first time. That, wow, like, that says a lot to the character. Whoa, something big is going on here, and the, that log is actually fucking important. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The log saw, the log sees things. The log saw Laura Palmer and the wood, the woods is such a, an important thing, uh, especially wood, fire, all that. And Briggs kind of, he looks a little concerned when she says this too, because it's like, oh shit. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not expecting this while I was sitting here drinking coffee in this diner for some right. reason with a piece of wood. <laughs> it comes up and says this big thing. Yes. Drops a bomb. Like, I, this is something that I think that has been weighing on him a bit. And this is, you know, this is like, oh, this is this is a sign. This is something I got to do now. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100, 100%. So then... It cuts to the sheriff's office. Yep, Lucy and and Andy. Now, I want to get your opinion. I have an opinion on who this was, because I don't think it's ever said. Someone calls Lucy wanting to talk to the sheriff, and they make a point of drawing this scene out a little bit, of, you need to tell me what your name is, and the person, you know, you can't hear the other person, but I'm sorry, I can't let you talk to the sheriff if you give me a name. Okay, I'm going to hang up on you now. I think that was Wyndham Earl. I think it was I think it was Wyndham Earl, or uh, yeah, I can't really think of who else would be calling, and it'd be wrapped in mystery. Yeah, I think it was Wyndham Earl. Yeah, yeah, it it would have to be. There's no uh, other direction pointing to why this call would have happened, and he's Wyndham Earl kind of starts trickling in here. Uh, so, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think that was Wyndham Earl. Uh, he's starting to play his little game now. The game is on with him and Cooper. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that uh, much later. But we find out Andy's kind of pissed. Andy's <laughs> rightfully livid. So. Andy is livid. And we talked a little bit about this because we went into this a little bit. And I think... Uh, episode uh, close to, uh, towards the end of the first season um, in our podcast. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, so he's confused why Lucy's pregnant because <laughs> he was doing his patriotic duty at some point in life, as he calls it. Yes. Uh, he, he went to a sperm bank to donate, and Andy's sterile, so he could not have gotten Lucy pregnant. And Lucy fucking is also freaked out, rightfully so. 
and takes Danny has a piece of tape on his head, takes it off and slams the window shut him and will not talk to him about it. But Andy's completely in the right here of being pissed off. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll find out later because, dear God, this character. We'll we'll talk about it. I don't want to talk about. No, but this is where I think again. I think that had Lynch continued with it, I don't think we would have gotten what we got. Um, I think I think the man we don't want to talk about does show up before Lynch leaves. I'm pretty sure he does. I don't want to talk about it. Let's move on. All right, move on. Move on. Uh, on. We got Hank in Harry's office, and for is is Harry his parole officer? Harry is his, well, it's a small town. I thought about this as well. And because he's a small town, I think he just has to go to the sheriff's station and just sign in. So, yes, I think Harry's his parole officer here. Yeah, and there's tension between these two. Uh, Cooper notices it. Uh, we find out, you know, Harry says, you know, Hank used to be one of the bookhouse boys. He used to be one of the, the good guys. Uh, secret history kind of fills in the gaps here of Hank. Hank just kind of just fell with the wrong crowd, became like a shit heel or whatever. <laughs> I mean, he's just a fucking, he's a, he, the story of Hank Jennings is he made a bad mistake and then he just kept doubling down on that bad mistake for the rest of his life. <laughs> exactly. And I, again, I also have to say the same thing that I think here, I think had Lynch stayed on, I think Hank could have been a more interesting character because I think it's very poignant that they made him one of the bookhouse boys. Yeah. But I think that given where everything went and what happens with the season, it just never went anywhere. Again, I think in these last two episodes, this one at last last week's and, and, and this week's, there are so many great threads that were being laid through that just never got pulled. Yeah, and Secret History does give Hank, Hank redemption. Uh, yes, so, it does. I don't want to skip over that because that was one of the more interesting things I thought. I thought when I read Secret History was Hank ends up having, you know, he comes to light and realizes just the damage he has done. Mm-hmm. It's in a tragic circumstance. And we'll get to that uh, because, you know, we have other things to talk about in this. And because Ben calls, Ben's like, yeah, my daughter's been missing for two days. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, for fuck's sake. Yes. Um, what? Yeah. Yeah, there's a killer on the loose killing kids, and you're just finding out that you're not even that worried about it. Like, meh. He's very nonchalantly. Um, Harry, Audrey's missing. I haven't yeah, seen her days. Yeah, I mean, just been murdered. Ronette was raped and beaten. Uh, <laughs> Teresa Banks, a year before, vanished mysteriously. <laughs> he was found dead. Uh... Maybe be a little more concerned about this, Ben. Uh, it's your daughter, <laughs> right? But there, you know, uh, we're learning as what was said in the first season, like the the, the second episode of the first season. Th- you know, she has mental issues, and it runs in the family. And we're really fucking seeing it huge with with Ben and Jerry and everyone. Uh, this, all the horns are just fucked up. Yeah, um, and so- unfortunately, in the return. Her son gets all these bad qualities on top of a really uh, bad quality. Oh yeah, that yeah. Her son was fucked from the start. Yeah. Um, and we'll yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, 
And so, yes. Get, well, now we get some CD plot with Ben and Jerry. Uh, with the insurance policy, we saw Catherine didn't sign it. They don't care. It's like, yeah, well, you can't win them all. <laughs> well, and, and they bring up the fact of probably for the best, given the fact that she would killed her in the fucking <laughs> fire. The night after. Yeah. Yeah, the night after she signed the life insurance policy, brought that up. That was a horrible idea. So they're going to call the crazy Icelanders. And who shows up? Leland. And here's the thing. This scene is... C or C plot at best, but it lays a giant bomb on us. <laughs> it lays a giant A plot bomb on us. A plot bomb. So Leland comes in and we see he's fucked everything up. <laughs> he's done. Yep, he comes in. He's like, yeah, guys, we got to get the Icelanders on the horn. We got to tell them everything's okay. And they're like, we think we can handle it. And then they're like, wait, you know about the fire? No, I wouldn't call it a disaster. Who'd you hear this from? Leland called you? Oh, they're pissed. Yeah, Leland damn near just tanks everything. Just, And I don't know if, <laughs> if this is Leland or the darker side of Leland <laughs> who did this. But Jesus. Like, Ben's like, why don't you do something more, more helpful like my tax returns? <laughs> right. Fun. Yes. Yeah, and uh, yes. And then Jerry and then, and then Ben... Or um, Leland, sorry, sees the the sketch. Yes, and he is disturbed. He sees that he it's like a he looks like he has a panic attack, and he says he knows the man in the sketch. because uh, when he was a kid at his grandfather's summer house on Pearl Lakes, that man lived next door to him. Mm-hmm. So now we're learning. That what the giant told him isn't 100% correct. And when you think about that, and that kind of threw me for a loop. Like, how does, how does Leland see him? And he runs off to talk to the sheriff right away. That is huge. And I think there's a better episode. I think it's in the, actually the next episode. That is, I think, a better time to talk about all of that. Yeah, because um, he talks about that to Cooper and Harry, and he also drops the name information on that, too. Yes, he drops information on that. So I think we go to that. Now we get a D plot thing that pisses me off. <laughs> Leo shot Moss. <laughs> okay, so the bullet lodged in his spine. Uh, you hear from Dr. Haywood. How the fuck? Does a shot through a window square and center in the chest, as Hank rightfully said, that would have fucking and it stopped his breathing, and he lost a lot of blood. If you notice where the tape is, it's nowhere near where Leo was shot. Leo was shot closer to the heart, and was off to the side, nowhere near the spine. So this is a whole thing where they retcon this to, I think, basically keep Leo alive and create a Leo plot. Yeah, and that bothers uh, Yeah, this is a, yeah, it bothers me because they keep Leo around for no reason. Like, spoiler, everybody. Leo doesn't play a big role in the show anymore. <laughs> no, at this point, you know, Leo, Leo's only function 
really was to be a red herring, a um, a fake out to the possibility of someone that could have murdered Laura Palmer. Yeah, his whole arc came to an end that final episode. He did not need to be around. Nope, and they keep him as uh, he pretty much becomes a, just a a sight gag for the most part for the. Red until like up in the last, even in the last episodes, he has no point. I was really confused why, yeah, uh, they should have just killed him. And like we discussed, I think, with uh, uh, nah, what's her name? Uh, Big Ed's wife, yeah, Nadine. Nadine should have stayed dead too. Yes, yes, it would absolutely. Have more impact of that finale, yeah, and it would give him that more gravitas. And I think I would have seen a better storyline that we would have gotten with Bobby and Shelly had Leo stayed dead. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So now Audrey (laughs) is being fucking Audrey. And, you know, she's in deep shit. I'm like, I don't know why Blackie hasn't kicked her out yet. Like, if I was Blackie, I'd have been like, get the fuck out of here. Go home. But we know why things happened. And um, behind the scenes shit happened to keep fucking Audrey away. And so she, you see her grabbing ice. And they're like, uh-uh. And like, she's just being like, what, what kind of shit show opera, house of fucking pleasure is Blackie running that this singular person can run around and fuck everything up? <laughs> well, I'm sure she's not expecting her. Her workers to be running around and fucking everything up, you know. But she's also a heroin addict, so I don't think she has the tightest grip on what's happening under her watch. Fair enough. I'll give you that. She's the heroin. I'll, we'll blame it on the heroin. That's always a great one. Ask, ask David Crosby. That's a wonderful excuse for every shitty thing that you do. Um, so, <laughs> so Audrey takes the ice and we see none other than Emery. Uh, the manager of the department store, yeah, you know, really fucked up situation. Joe, I'm going to lay something uncomfortable on you. Um, I've this, been this seeing awaken something in you. No, the opposite. Um, no, um, no. Um, I've debated for years doing a a a, a um sex line style um uh podcast as well, going in the fetishes and things like this. So I'm gonna I, I'm gonna lay something on you here. Um, this ain't a real thing, buddy. <laughs> this so is some kind of weird. You'll be tied up and listening to a vacuum cleaner <laughs> with uh with with um with uh uh you know um uh, cotton between your toes. Um, you and toes painted. Listen, uh, uh, sorry, David Lynch, if you're starting to weep right now because we just called your kink. <laughs> non-existent I, no this is a fever dream this is not a kink this is a fever dream i'm sorry um i know a lot of people that have a lot of things i mean i you know there's there there's some things which i don't understand that i've tried for years understanding which is like the balloon popping this takes that times a million um i don't I, again if lynch is listening and weeping and this is a thing please explain it to me i will not judge you i want to understand this because this makes no sense to me <laughs> Yeah, it's. I think it's over the top for the sake of being over the top. Just kind of showing that this guy is 
Uh, he's just kind of, you know, he has a weird kink. I think that was just the whole point of it. And I think it was something that they, I think that I, I honestly, like getting away from my joke there. I think that they, it's made for TV. You know, this is a network television show. They can't show anything real. So I think they had to do something really bizarre and cartoony to get away with it. Yeah. Cause I think like alone, each of these things happening in this guy alone, that those are like justifiable kinks, but mashed together <laughs> makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and there's things that you could do. Like, I think if this was like on HBO or something like this, we would have seen something very different coming from Dar- from David Lynch's mind. Probably more S and M E type. Yes, uh, very much so. Um, more like uh, Blue Velvet, um, yeah. or possibly even um, Tarantino's Foot Fetish. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm glad they got rid of Ben's foot fetish. I mean, there's only so much of that I can handle, and Tarantino fills my quota on that. So, right, right. So Audrey grabs the ice, goes in the room where he, the guy's tied up with a vacuum cleaner going on. His he's he's got a you know his eyes are covered, his toes are painted. Uh, and she shoes away the vacuuming girl, which is all right. And then she, this is when she interrogates him. And this is, I, this is, we said at the beginning of this podcast that Lynch Frost gave us some really strong female characters. Absolutely. One of those moments where she's like, she wants to know what the fuck is going on. And she says, I'm Audrey Horn and I get what I want. And that is just like, yes, just applaud you know like mm-hmm. fuck, right this guy's in a moment of vulnerability and she's exploiting the hell out of it oh and she you know she, the way she does it too um once upon a time there's a little girl named red that's me who met a big bad wolf that's you you know and just the way that she does it is awesome just the her whole monologue um when she when she gets him uh to do it is just fantastic it's a vin- it's a thinly veiled threat that she's She's basically threatening to go to the cops saying he raped her mm-hmm. <laughs> if she doesn't if he doesn't spill the beans. So she finds out that not only does her father own one-eyed jacks, he's using the perfume counter as uh, bait to get women to work there. Mm-hmm. And not only that is Laura and Ronette also both worked there. Although Laura only worked for a short period of time because of the cocaine. Yeah, because of the cocaine. She was fired for the cocaine. Yeah. And yes, I'm always going to pronounce cocaine as cocaine, like, fucking walk hard. <laughs> the cocaine. Yeah. You don't want any part of this. Right. So, yeah, so she finds out that, yeah, that's a lot to lay I mean, she's like 18. Mm-hmm. Like, if you find out your parents is running a whorehouse and like has these connections to a possible murder. Like I'm sure that that's a lot to take in. We don't see that, which is, I think is pretty good. I mean, we don't need to see everybody having a shit show going. <laughs> right. Right. But uh, then we get D plot here. And this well, is- hang on, hang on. The one thing that did make it very interesting to me is that he does make a point to tell her that you know, Ben always gets his way. And makes makes that a point, you know, that she's no that she's no different than her father. Yes. And, and he does lay that on her. Yeah, and she is. Ben and Audrey are peas in a pod. They have the same personality in a lot of ways. And 
uh, secret history goes into it more again, or uh, might be final dossier. I think final dossier. Final do- well, secret history does a little too after the finale where she is Pete rest his soul saves her at the explosion. Apparently Ben has a change of heart in life after that, but return final dossier shows it's short lived, but he does. Uh, uh, he, yeah, it's, he, she is a very important to Ben, even though he doesn't really show it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And you get a little bit about that on the, in the show. Um, but yeah, yes. So, okay. D plot. Bobby. Kelly's insurance show. scam. Oh, for fuck's sake. All right. I'm just, I don't care. So they're planning on taking $5,000 checks for bringing Leo home instead of throwing him to the police where he should probably be anyway. Who cares? Let's move on because now we're getting the meat and potatoes of what I want to talk about is Cooper in his, his <sighs> hotel room. And you see Audrey's note is under his bed. Which, which like, doesn't make sense. Because no. where was it last time we saw it? Uh, wasn't it on his nightstand? It wasn't on the nightstand. It was by the phone. Yeah, that's right. It was by the phone. It was way across the room by the phone. Does Cooper just have a really drafty room? <laughs> uh, it never should have ended up there. I Yeah, that part bothered me. So I'm like, how did it go from there all the way to there? Um, and without anybody seeing it or picking it up or doing anything. And when they show it under the bed, it's not that far under the bed. It's like if you're walking on that side of the bed and you turn around and look, you're going to yeah. see this white envelope. Yeah, and I've as somebody who's watched almost all of Lynch's movies, continuity is not his. He doesn't care. And we've, we've said that numerous times. That is something with Lynch. Continuity is not his thing, and you're always going to have these issues. So go on. Yes. Well, Major Briggs comes to Cooper's room. Uh, he can't tell Cooper exactly what he does. He, he They're both federal agents, but obviously there's classified things that even federal agencies, uh, military, they there's even to this day, there's a big gap because they can't coordinate a lot of times. Which is, if you read, like, true crime stuff or whatever, like, I think for me, like, reading about, even just, like, even with local police, like, if you read, like, the book Helter Skelter, you'll realize, like, the DA and, like, three different police jurisdictions don't communicate. <laughs> and mm-hmm. a lot of times they can't because they're yes. ongoing investigations. And that So it really becomes, a lot of times these things can be a mess. But with Briggs, he, he, he basically says he's, He's there, and he's doing uh, deep space monitoring. And, you know, that's the gist of what he says. Like, they get these, uh, like, he calls it space garbage. Yes. <laughs> Which it is. He's, uh, he's getting satellite feeds and, like, just distorted messages that are from, like, elements in space, be it, like, solar flares or whatever. They, they It just picks up any sort of communications uh or wavelengths or whatever. So, and that, that's a real thing. <laughs> like, that's like, it's not, I don't think it's not made up. There's, you know, people just, it's just a thing that, you know, they want to make, you know, find out and explore. But, mm-hmm. uh, Briggs says there was, uh, something interesting happened. Yes. Uh, 
Friday morning when Cooper was shot. If the, when Cooper is shot, instead of the normal gibberish, it reads out, the owls are not what they seem, which the giant told him as a clue. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that would happen, right? He's like, three things, the- will co- three things will come true. They weren't necessarily clues, just three things would come true. Because he wants to get his trust. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, why are you showing this to me? And this... <laughs> Go on. And he says, because shortly afterwards, in the morning, it starts saying, Cooper. 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 And you look and there's just lines of this. Yeah. Three Coopers. Yep. Well, there's more than that, but he only reads out the three. But if you look, actually look, there's at least six. I thought there was only three. No, there's at least six. I watched it very closely today. Mm -hmm. There's at least six Coopers. Well, he names off the three Coopers, and that's kind of like, it goes in, that comes up in the return is the three Coopers. Yeah, spoiler, there's three Agent Coopers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At least. So fourth, if you want to even include the one in the last episode. (laughs) There's a lot of. It, we're hanging with Mr. Cooper a lot in the return. So much. Yes. Yes. So yes. this is like, so we're given this really awesome scene and it builds this mystery and it's great and it's everything I love about Twin Peaks and then it just, the show just takes a giant fucking shit on my eyeballs and ears. <laughs> because this is followed up by James... Donna and Maddie singing the fucking song Just You. Uh, Just you and yeah. Um, boy. My, my whole being was violated. It felt dirty. I wanted to vomit. I hate this song. I hate this scene. And God damn it, it's mm. <laughs> just just fuck, man. Why? <laughs> well, okay. So what you talk about? It to, I wouldn't even say, where's the fucking drum and bass coming from when they're singing? <laughs> so let's start with okay. Uh, we're here. We knew this was going to take a while. We're going to be here for a bit, folks. Um, so. Um, and if you're watching on um, on 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 if you're watching the YouTube video, I'm actually we're going to be seeing. You're pro- I'm going to be actually doing a little bit of editing with this one. You're going to be seeing that scene. You won't be hearing it, but you'll be seeing it at this point. Um, let's. Um, okay, you read an article recently. Lay down that article to me. Yeah, I shared it with you right away, and it's uh, James Marshall was interviewed, and they're talking about like how this song came to be. Like, well, it was on the spot. Uh, he co-wrote it with Lynch and Angela Badalamonte. I always butcher that man's name. I butcher his name, too, so don't even feel bad. I, uh, my my uh, Echo Dot always reminds me because I can't pronounce it. <laughs> um, right. Uh, yeah, they came up with this song, and he was all gung-ho about it. And we... We were like, yeah, it was, you know, but he didn't. He, it's not like he wrote the song early in this uh, podcast. Fuck that, he did. <laughs> this mm-hmm. son of a bitch. 
I hate James. No, I don't. And I'm going to go to some defense here because there's other articles about this as well. So, yes, they wrote it. And because James Marshall, who plays James Hurley, um, would bring his guitar on set and would play. And Lynch has also done some music. And so Lynch asked him at one point if he would be comfortable doing a song for one of the episodes. And James was all for it. He was like, yeah, that'd be fucking awesome. So they sat down to write this. And then a couple weeks later, you know, they asked him, they said, what kind of style do you want? And he's like, well, I think it should be 50s doo to kind of go with some of the musical theme that's been going on with the show. You know, don't make it too outside the normal of what people are expecting. And um, when he came back, James himself was horrified that it was in the key of C. Um, he did want it to be falsetto, but he didn't want it to be that high. And he tried to get Lynch and um, I'm not even going to bother to try to spell, uh, say his name. Just call um, Angelo. Angelo. Yeah, yeah, Lynch and Angelo to change it. And if you've ever listened to Lynch's music and when the way Lynch sings, it's very a high falsetto. Uh, that's just what Lynch does. So they would not go with him. And it hurt him to sing that way. He didn't like the way it sounded. He was very unhappy, actually, with the way the song played out. So I don't blame... I mean, yes, there's some things there for James wrote it, but he wrote it in a, in a lower key and had a little bit of differences, and Lynch and uh, Angelo cranked it up to that fucking 11 on that falsetto that never needed to happen. Uh, the falsetto is part of the problem. It's also a really a dog shit song. So again, <laughs> fuck you, James. It's a stupid song and you should feel bad you did this. I, again, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna hate on him per se. Is it a dog shit song? Yes. Uh, however, that is a terrible key. I, yes, he is absolutely right. That is a terrible key. Um, I think the key would have even made it better. <laughs> it wasn't a different key. It's still a horseshit song from a horseshit person. Fuck him. <laughs> I, 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 you know what, man? Key, uh, 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 as a musician, keys can make a lot of difference on on a song. And I would say that I would like James if he's going to listen to this. If anyone ever does, or who from from the show that listens to this, I would love James to put out his the original key and the original version that he had and i bet you we'd go that wouldn't have been as bad however this scene is fucking like a thumb like a sore thumb um it's like a fucking purple house on a row of fucking white houses yeah, it's um, just the song this whole fucking scene is bad it oh god I'm getting a rage headache right now. Oh, Tom. All right, dude, dude. I I did not think I was going to be the voice of reason here. Um, I'm getting a rage on this one as well. But I'm going to say that my anger is more towards Lynch. And because this also can't happen again on the return. Where James thought he was going to be able to do his original version. And, and he did play his original version. And fucking Lynch 
put the old version on top of it. Yeah, well, I mean, you put out that shitty song, you know, Lynch is just going to read, read the, yeah, fuck you, man. This is, you made this, you made it, man. That's your name attached to it. Fuck. Uh, nope. It, it's the, just, the key is not the whole issue here. The Chinaman's not the issue here. Dude, <laughs> dude, dude. Okay. Chinaman is not the correct nomenclature, dude. He fucking pissed on my rug. He didn't build a railroad, Walter. Uh, so. Yeah, like, you know, so this this happened. Uh, and, anybody and been listening up to this point know I despise it. Apparently Paul has a change of heart or something. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't have a change of heart. I don't have a change of heart. Um... um but they're singing uh, James is giving goof eyes to dog. Hang on. No, no, no. The whole thing is weird because all of a sudden, because of the feel and the, and the doo-wop of the song and the way their hair is done and the way their makeup is done, the whole thing has a 50s vibe to it. Like, they look like fucking poodle skirt girls. And again, like, where did the drum and bass come from? It's weird. He's like, yeah, it's really good. Okay, let's start it again. And they go... And it's him and Donna are, are making eyes at first. And then Maddie gets in on it. And James starts looking at Maddie. And he's, he's you know, this dude's in high They're all in high school. He's doing what every high school dude dude in that situation. He is going fucking threesome city. Right? <laughs> like, I, that is what James is going for here. Yeah. And, uh, again, drum and bass. Peer out of nowhere, out of the ether. Uh, Donna freaks out. Uh, probably getting the hint of what James is looking at. Uh, uh, uh-huh. Uh, she, smells, uh, she smells the conversation that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> so she runs off. James chases her. Like, what's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> you know what's fucking wrong, James. God damn it. God damn Oh, yeah. You know what you did, James. We, everyone, you know what you did. You know what you did. So, and, and then uh, Donna gets a hair call from old Harold. Uh, no, but, 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 but you're jumping here. Even before that, she starts grabbing and trying to make out with him. Like, because uh, I don't care, Paul. This is uh, so stupid. Oh, uh, fuck, man. It's that, That's the whole point. It's so goddamn dumb. Donna's acting dumb. Any again, and th- this goes against the way that Lynch had been writing women characters. I don't believe Donna would have put up with that. I think she would have had a conversation with him and wouldn't have just tried making out with him. The whole Donna character is just a fucking shit show right now. And that will continue forever along with James. Like, this is the start of the whole problem with James and, uh, and Donna. Yeah, okay. this is what the, cra- the cracks are beginning to show up here. It's like, mm-hmm. I think what we're getting at is the cracks in the show, uh, well, it's starting to, they're kind of, Becoming a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donna gets a call from Harold Smith. Uh, breaks up this scene. But then, dear God, another scene that traumatized me and made me not like want to look too closely in my living room. Maddie is sitting there and she sees she's looking at, I believe, the dining area over over the couch. And fucking Bob. Slowly, just inches his way through, and he starts coming at her slowly and like all shaky and creepy. And dear God, it's horrifying. 
This is okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain something here. This in the in the critical section of this and what people thought. This is considered to be like the epitome image of what made this show amazing. Like this is probably praised as the most iconic scene of the whole series. This right here was like. I I I'm hard pressed to think of like a, just a single image, like not dialogue, just anything else, just image wise, of of that is stands out in my mind as the creepiest fucking thing in the show. Yes, it's it's horrifying. Like I, I had nightmares from the scene as a kid. Like it was just holy shit. Like he's there, like. Before Bob, because we don't even know, you know, we haven't really seen him, seen him like we've seen him in flashbacks, but we haven't. This is like, I think the first time we've seen him and like, oh, God, like he can come at you. Like he's not just like some figment of an imagination. This guy is whatever he is. He's real and he's dangerous and he's scary. (laughs) Yes. And he's. Terrifying! Like this is terrifying, and just how, like again, Lynch is really good at doing a lot with a little. There's music, there's no fucking dialogue, and you just Bob walks into the room, and we learn this is a vi- we learn this is a vision. But while it's happening, we're not sure what's going on. And, yeah, and this and, is the second uh, vision Maddie has had. Yes. And he climbs over the couch, climbs over the table. She's freaking. Uh, Sherilyn Flynn is freaking out. Um, I'm no, that's not that's not Sherilyn Flynn. That's um, uh, Cheryl Lee is uh, the actress is freaking out perfectly, and um, she does fear so well. And he's crawling over the thing, and he gets right up in the camera. I mean, he is, it looks like he's going to crawl through the TV. Like, this is, I, Joe, I bet you this is where the ring got the idea. Yeah, I am. I am with you 100%, except this is way more freaky than any, I mean, this is, this is creepier than any jump scare. And like, you and I watch a lot of horror movies. Absolutely. Horror movies is my bag, dude. Yeah, same here. This is probably still the scariest thing I've seen. Yes, the only other thing that I think was a little bit more terrifying or was on the par with this in the series was the train car scene um, where um, uh, we uh, when, when, when uh, she was covered in blood. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the only other um, that's the only other thing I can think of. Well, there, there's another scene coming up in this season. It's at the end, and I think is I believe it's the episode before the last. And uh, we see the sycamore trees, and we see the red curtains appear, and we in a spotlight hits, and Bob's hand with the jean jacket reaches out and it's shaking. And that was another one. It was like, oh my, holy shit. Well, yeah, okay. So there is, um, there is another. Uh, when you get to the final two episodes, there is some more imagery, but the final but two that, 
The final episode's nightmare fuel. <laughs> is, is nightmare fuel. But, I mean, up to this point, this is like... I, I can't even... Um, um, I can't even describe to you the dread of being 10 years old and watching this scene in the dark in, 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 in a, in a sub basement. Um, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Yes. Yeah. Like I was lit. Yeah. I, I was afraid to like look over my couch. I was so terrified. Like, you know, if I was in the living room, I did not want to look what was on the other side of the couch. Like, I mean, it's silly saying this now, but it was very real to me. Like, my imagination went crazy. Like, oh, my God, this guy can this sort of thing can be anywhere. Like, I don't know. I didn't know what Bob was, but I know it was, it was fucking terrifying. And he's just some dude in a jean jacket. <laughs> and, and, and again, man, I want to I want to I want to say this was a I don't want to out him per se, but. You know, this was a, a, a designer, a style designer for, for sets yeah. and was the nicest guy in the world. And again, when they had the Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, um, premiere, premiere, he brought his mother. Yeah, I mean, he he's the, was the nice anyone ever would say this was the nicest dude in the world. And he was uncomfortable playing this character. Yeah, he was really, un- I, I believe. I've read interviews with like Cheryl Lee. He was really uncomfortable with a lot of the stuff they did in Firewalk with me. Very uncomfortable. Because like he was, he was just such a nice guy and what they ask him to do. There's a very just creepy, really fucking creepy scene between Laura and Bob. And uh, yeah, uh-huh. he was apparently not, he was just, he, I think he kind of, I think she's talked. She's talked about how he, he kind of was like really just not comfortable with that, and he he he'd be like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would be. Yes, I read that same article, and he would be reassuring her and making sure that she was okay with it because he wasn't. Yeah. So, oh, okay. So then, oh, sorry. They, um, so she screams, and while this was going on. Um, uh, uh, Donna got a call from Harold saying that they should meet. Yeah. And then they rush into Donna or they rush into Audrey. Um, God damn it. I'm fucking up the names here. Sorry. They run into Maddie. Maddie. There's so many names that end with a Y. Um, they, they, they run into Maddie and he's, it was a vision. He wasn't there. It didn't happen. But this, this is. This is red herring, uh, but this does. She saw her blood in the last episode, mm-hmm. or not her blood? She saw blood. Uh, spoiler alert: it's hers. <laughs> um, yeah. She sees Bob. Spoiler alert: he kills her. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's just like it's. It, these are breadcrumbs that are, I think if this was going to happen anyway. I just don't I... think they were going to show who did it. Yes, yes, it was going to happen anyways. They weren't going to show who did it. And um, I do believe something was going to happen to Donna and they weren't going to show who did it. I really, really do because I, there's there's also trails leading there. Yeah, I, these are less of red herrings and more of like if you've been foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. This, foreshadowing. Was, this yeah. was foreshadowing. I Do you think that would have been like a, Maddie and Donna would have been like a Laura and Ronette thing? Yes, I do. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Mm-hmm. I do and think that... Donna would have been there, and it would have been, um, it, it would have been. Uh, I think Donna would have been comatose. Yep, she, and she'd be like Ronette. And... She'd be like Ronette. I think that would have been a whole another section of it. I think we would have gotten another another letter of the name. Um, and I don't, you know, I I think yeah, I think there would have been that whole thing. Um. And then while that's going on, Cooper is sleeping and he's having um, the the giant comes again. Yeah, and we kind of get a a collage of things. This is kind of it's really cool how Lynch does it. Uh, it, it. The giant's there. Ronette is seeing things. We get this blurry uh, thing of Bob kind of walking toward the camera with nothing but blackness behind him. Mm-hmm. But it's like it starts off just blurry. You can't really know. You you kind of you know what it is because the jean jacket and the gray hair, but it's it's purposely just distorted. Uh, kind of, I think it's to show that Cooper's dreaming that things are just kind of mashing together here in a subconscious. Yeah, it's creepy that, and then that, you know, him going over the couch and screaming, then him just walking at the camera, and just kind of like. Do that creepy kind of like chuckle thing. Yes. Yes. And this is the most Bob that we've gotten in a while and most of it. And I think this is, I, I think had the original story stuck and the original idea stuck, I think we would have seen a lot more of this style throughout the entire season. And this, this shows like we kind of debated it earlier. Uh, I think uh, Bob does when he, he leaves his host. I think he does become an, an owl. And mm-hmm. it kind of shows this when they superimpose an owl's face over his when they flash back to him be in Laura's bedroom. Uh-huh. So Yes, yes, which which then brings back the owls is not what it seems. I think that would have been a bigger deal had the story continued the way it should have. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's still there, but it's not. Yeah, and then I think I mean, we just got to go with what we got, and we got seven, eight of all of the twenty, <laughs> the twenty odd episodes of this season. Eight, eight of them, <laughs> eight or nine of them are pretty solid. So. Eight or nine out of this twenty-two, twenty-three episodes, yeah. Uh, and so then, when that happens, Cooper gets wakened by by Audrey calling him, yeah, asking why he's not there, and that. You know that she's in trouble, but she's going to come home. And then Blackie hangs up the phone on her and says, "Was and and uh, Emma uh, Emery is there?" And uh, Blackie says, "Miss Horn, you don't know what trouble is, not by a long shot." And the episode ends. But she did leave a clue for him. Yes, she, she did. She saw him in his tux, so and, yes. it doesn't ring with him right now. But it he does realize that this is a clue for him. Yes, yes, and that's where the episode ends. Um, this is definitely in my top uh, five, probably, episodes. I think it's a little yeah. more than the last episode a bit. Uh, it's not as... Uh, doesn't have the character shifts, which I like a lot more, and it's. It, I, I think this this episode is the perfect balance of Twin Peaks between the soap opera stuff the investigation and the surreal. I would completely agree with you on that. 
I I felt the characters were kind of more back in the place, although there were some still some odd uh, decisions made there. Cooper's hair still longer. Yeah, well, everyone's hair is still longer, and again, Leo with with being changed, where he was shocked, and um, you know, there's just a there there was a few continuity things that bothered me. Um, I'm kind of a big um, um, continuity guy, which is weird because I do love Lynch. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, the but at the same time, the cracks are really beginning to show. Yes. And so this is a weird episode to me. I think I like the season opener more. Um, makes it was longer and you know you started you know really opened up a lot of the stuff and i really liked the idea that he found you know the smiling bag and look he has several meetings with the giant and things of that nature but this one i, I mean really this should have been i feel like one long i this could have been just a continuation of that episode um in that regards um and again i think for me i think part of knowing what i know I think part of what bothers me with this episode and why it's not, um, I mean, in my top five, it's probably number five because I can see a lot of what Lynch was leaving there. And it bothers me that the strings were pulled in the wrong direction once the, once the showrunners left. Yeah, uh, I agree. And it's just, it, I like, I, it's, like I said, I think it's a, it's a good balance of all the things of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we still get like those CD plots or whatever, and they're given time, but I think they're given the right amount of time instead of being like some, like what we're gonna get. What we're gonna get? What we're gonna fucking get? Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, this is more. This is more the investigative focus. It's more the mystery focus, and I I like that more. Uh, it's it, yeah. It's but no, like we. You know, I think they're setting so many cool things up and then fucking, <laughs> you know, the, you know, we just didn't get it. <laughs> um, We didn't get it. And part of, you know, um, again, as we talked about last episode, the, you know, the Nadine thing, the Leo thing, they should have been gone. I don't like the direction that they go with Audrey and Blackie. And, you know, kind of that that whole mystery of having the rescue uh, that's going to come up here with Audrey and all that kind of stuff. I that it started to wear thin on me. I don't know about you. Yeah, it does. I don't. It's it is what it is uh, compared to <laughs> after the reveal It's not as. I mean, I'm just comparing two different shit situations. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, I was shot in the leg, but at least it wasn't like that time I was shot in the chest, you know? Right. It still sucks. It's, <laughs> but, yeah, and then again, this is behind-the-scenes stuff that they had to put Audrey's from, away from Cooper. And, and that's because of the background stuff they already talked about. Yeah, they had to go this direction, and it's a terrible direction. It shouldn't have gone that way. But yes, I mean, when you look at the investigative stuff, when you take out the DC plot and just focus strictly on the investigation, front to back, this is a stellar fucking episode. And if I take my bias out of it, it really should be in the top three. 
Yeah. And, you know, and we'll get to it. Like, there are things I do like that comes with the Audrey uh, One-Eyed Jacks thing. And the main thing I like when it introduces is Michael Parks. I love Michael Parks. He's uh, he's a great, great character actor. He's in From Dusk Till Dawn, and he plays that same character in uh, Kill Bill. <laughs> yes. And, uh, Death Proof and... Uh, Planet Terror, uh, it's great. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love Michael Parks. So there is a silver lining in that shit show. <laughs> and if you haven't, um, I'm going to look it up here. Um, I watched it, and you should rent it. Um, he was in a volleyball movie, um, and you get the you got to get the. It's called Spiker. <laughs> and what the fuck are you talking? About? <laughs> just hear me out here. It's, it, it's called Spiker. It's a volleyball movie. And God damn it, Paul. Just wait. Just, I'm going places here. Do not watch the original version of it. The Riff Tracks crew made fun of this movie, and you can get it on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime, the Riff Tracks version of it. Rent it. It is worth all fucking $3 that you will pay to see it. And Michael Parks plays the coach for this Olympics team. And it is, he is phenomenal for being fucking him in this movie. Like, I enjoyed it so much because I enjoy him. Oh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll probably check it out at some point. But yeah, uh, it's just volleyball movie <laughs> called Spike or whatever. I, Dude, he's always eating at the at the what's that what's that salad fucking buffet called um the salad barn or something like that like they must have got a fucking deal with it and he's always there eating this uh, eating his fucking salads and it's Michael Parks being Michael Parks and you put that on top of the riff tracks guys <laughs> Joe Joe it's brilliant it's brilliant it's brilliant um so yeah I I will say I do like that but. I think they could have brought him in even without the Audrey stuff. I think there could have been a way to do it. And I think they would have done it <clears throat> again. I think why this isn't why I have this one at five instead of three is because uh, for me, it's, this is a bittersweet episode because this is probably about the height of what the show ever gets to. Yeah. Yeah. It's as a whole. Yeah. It's, the finale is phenomenal, but that's more heavy on the lodge stuff. This is like this. This is the last episode where it's a perfect balance of everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. This is the last like true, um, um, the true Twin Peaks what it was episode. So yeah, like I said, I have a bias to it, but like if I take that bias away, yeah, this is easily one of the top three episodes. Oh yeah. So, um, real quick, I'll I'll just kind of get into where we got a little bit of the reception of it. The critical response to this episode was positive. Um, We talked about Keith Phipps, who said the episode sows a a lot of seeds for future harvest, um, citing the particular references to Wyndham Earl, Harold Smith, and Garland Briggs' UFO work. He also praised the scene of Bob, um, calling it one of those images that captured what the show does so well. But uh, criticized the Audrey plot point, which I also did. Uh, he gave the whole thing a B plus. 
Um, and um, uh, Al Rovies, uh mentioned that episode nine contains the first of many significant references to owls throughout the series, rating it a four out of five. And um, TVD Talks, uh, Jamie S. Rich gave it a mixed response and commented that the side stories take a lot of the spotlight of the first half of the second season and suggest that Twin Peaks may have had a longer life as a regular cliffhanger serial had they abandoned the need for the series through line. And the Nerdist gave it three and a half burritos, uh, calling it the least memorable of the six Lynch-directed episodes. Praised the episode at whole, but criticized the scene in which James, Maddie, and Donna sing together as a black mark over an otherwise great episode. Yeah, I blacked it out. Was this the episode where they sing? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. It could have been. That might be next episode. Oh, God, is that coming up? <laughs> is that coming up? We have to, we have to go through that again? Um, so this episode was actually rated TV 14 when rebroadcast uh, in, in the United States. Because of the because of some of the, the darker imagery in it, I can see that. Yeah, this one when it was re I mean, at the time, again, we're kids. There was no rating on TV shows. No, not at all. So um, nothing prepared us for what we saw in this episode. <laughs> no, 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 nothing, nothing could prepare us for what we saw in this episode. So. Um, um, what else? I mean, got, do you have any other that we want to kind of fill in there or anything else that you think we missed? Nope. I think we got it. I think that this was a solid episode. Uh, I am excited for next week's, uh, we're going back to the two episodes. Yep. Uh, and, uh, I'm excited for that. Uh, it, I'm not excited for the rest of <laughs> the season. Uh, but uh, we will get through it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think uh, we got it. All right, perfect. Well, um, so I'll get this going. Um, we guys, uh, we have a uh, you know, you can catch us on the showdown. Joe, what did you do your last showdown? Oh, god, high fidelity. Um, yeah, read it. I worked in record stores, I had a very different reaction to that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that most people did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I remember you working at that store. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, Paul, what's uh, what's coming up for Cast That Movie? Uh, oh, oh, God. It's an entire episode dedicated to the island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> we went there. It is the recast, and it is the dream project about what went on behind the scenes. Oh, um, wow. it's a it's a one two punch. It, 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 that's I mean, it's a whole episode dedicated to the island of Doctor Rowe. Um, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. Um, I had sixteen or eighteen pages of notes by the time I was done getting ready for that podcast. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, that movie, it, one, it's batshit crazy on its own, but <laughs> there is a documentary out there that interviews the director who was fired. I'm not going to go too far, but check it out. Uh, it's uh, everything yes. in this movie is bananas. <laughs> uh, yes, I will plug that uh, documentary as well. It was called Lost Soul. Um, the Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. 
Uh, came out in 14. Um, I think it was a sleeper. Not a lot of people know about it. Um, probably because nobody cared about Island of Dr. Moreau. Believe me, you want to see it. Um, you want to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, I went down some serious rabbit holes um, getting information on this because, as I've said before, Joe, I mean, a lot of what we do, uh, even on Twin Peaks and things like that, I, you know, I know when I'm, I'm, a, ner- I'm a nerd junkie uh, uh, I, and, and knowledge junkie. I mean, most of the shit I know I can do off the top of my head. I don't need notes. And when, and when I was trying to dig into the Island of Dr. Moreau, we just did it as a throwaway, to be honest with you. And it turned into this fucking rabbit hole of craziness that I had no fucking clue of. Are you trying to insinuate that Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer are difficult people? Dude, dude, that's not even the fucking... <laughs> that's not... I mean, they were bad shit. They were, they, were, they were difficult as fuck, dude. But there were so many cast changes in this thing and so much shit. I mean, location I, shoots were a little tough. Uh, <laughs> location shoots were a little tough. Um, turnover, uh, turnover, there's a bit of turnover. In this there's, there's a little bit of turnover. Um, quite a few. Um, maybe maybe a few revisions to the script. Um, just a couple. Uh, yeah, you know, this was one of those things. Um, that um. Is like the of, of lore. This is one of the stories of lore. So yeah, I think you'll really enjoy that one. That will that will come out tomorrow. Um, hey, at least that movie gave us the Marlon Brando character in South Park and his creepy. Little... <laughs> do, do, Nelson uh, Nelson De La Rosa Martinez. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like how you had the name just <laughs> right. Play, played Smallfoot. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll give you a uh, I'll give you a little tidbit here. Um, he at one point you know, I'll give you guys a sneak peek of what of something you'll learn on the uh, um, uh, on the podcast. He used to run around with a um, uh, with Pedro Martinez, uh, the Boston Red Sox pitcher, <laughs> and he would he would be taken by but he would take him to playoff games. As his good luck charm, and referred to, and he was referred to as Pedro's lucky midget. Oh God! Oh how my t- God! <laughs> how times have changed, right? Oh wow! Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm also gonna plug one more thing because it's kind of a big thing. Uh, the Joe Down for May. We are doing podcasts of every. Fast and Furious movie we have not reviewed. It's going to be seven podcasts. Oh, God. We're running the series, man. We're running it. at Movie one through eight. <laughs> yeah. That we're... is a big deal. So what's going to be the drop? When, when, when can we expect the podcast? We're going to go through eight in a month. We are. It's going to be on Sundays is normal. Okay. And then we're planning on hopefully Wednesday, Thursdays. Okay. Fantastic. So two, a week, two a week. Probably and we'll probably have to sneak one more or whatever. We'll we'll figure it out. But yeah, it's I've never seen I've only seen the seventh one that we reviewed and Hobbs and Shaw. And I have the box set 
of oh, all the so movies. Much. I am in for an adventure. I, I, I am so not envious of you right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Those I movies am. are so they. Because here's the thing: they're they're batshit crazy now. Uh-huh. But I'm really interested in watching that first one where there's just a bunch of street racers and not international mercenaries. Yeah, I, I, I want to see the transition to that. I want to I want to see how you how you handle the arc and looking at it from that point of view. I'm really excited to hear those. I'm 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 all in, dude. I am completely all in. That is huge. So they can subscribe to all these things. Um, Joe down through the website, joedown.blog. You guys can um, find us on um, on YouTube. Um the, the Twin Peaks podcast that you're listening to now. You can find Cast That Movie on YouTube. All these things also pull right from the joedown.blog. So if you guys are subscribing to the joedown.blog, um, you know, you're going to get it all. But I also recommend um, rec- uh, you know, grabbing each YouTube channel um, as well as subscribing to that. Um, so you guys keep on, um, you know, getting the updates. Sometimes, you know, maybe we'll, I do plan on throwing a few little things out there that are outside of orders. Um, so, wow, that's huge, Joe. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am excited. I'm excited for the Island of Dr. Moreau. I have, I'm planning, a. I I take these really long walks now, and I listen to stuff, and I'm, that's my plan for tomorrow. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I gotta know your take on it. Um, <laughs> all right, Joe, why don't you take us out? Oh, so that was it for, uh. Podcast above a convenience store. I'm Joe Freming with Paul Muadib. And until next time, oh boy, <laughs> just you and I. <laughs> just you and I. This song, talking song, right now. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>